And so if you guys would, if you would just give it up for Ashley Tankersley as she just shares today's word for us. Thank you, Aaron, for not crying this time. Because <laughs> then I would cry. Um, no, I'm so honored to be here. And Aaron is one of my very, very dear friends. We just, you know, we work together. But aside from that, we really genuinely are friends. Most of us on staff, no, all of us on staff are, we are each other's biggest fans. We're each other's best friends, and I don't know, we're friends, um, but we want what's best for each other, um, but we're also very, very competitive. Um, so Pastor Mike spoke first, and Aaron said, I just need to do better than him, and then Aaron spoke next, and I said, well, I just need to do better than both of you, and I said, I'm going to finish on time, so I automatically win, because they went like 10 minutes over last time, so I was like, also... I have spoke to uh, large groups of women. I speak to children on a regular basis. They're extremely forgiving, I will say that. Um, and I have done competitive speaking. I've gone to state. I've done all that. And I have never been more nervous than I am right now. So if it looks like I have been sick the last 48 hours, I have been because I'm really nervous. So um, like I said, Pastor Rick's not here. So when you leave here today, if you wouldn't mind sending him a text and telling him how great of a job I did, even if I stink, um, I would really appreciate it because, you know, I don't know how great I'm going to do, but we'll see. We'll go there. So um, are you guys ready to get started? Awesome. If you have your Bibles, we're going to actually go to Mark, the book of Mark. Mark is in the New Testament. We're going to Mark chapter 5. The first book of the New Testament is Matthew, and then the next one is Mark. I, I can't go further than that. Rick Burke is like, Matthew, no, that's not me. <laughs> Just Matthew, Mark. <laughs> so we're going to go to uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 23. And today I'm going to talk to you guys about why kids matter, why they're a big deal here at Cedar Point, but they're also, they're a big deal at Cedar Point, but I'm telling you, they are a big deal to me. <laughs> I love your kids. I love them just as much as my own kids. They hold a very, very, very special place in my heart. Um, when I got called away to children's ministry during a season, I found out I was pregnant with my fourth baby, and I was really overwhelmed. Um, the Lord called me to stay home for a few years, and when he did, I didn't know if I'd ever be back to children's ministry, and that broke me because I knew that God placed it on my heart to do children's ministry, so why would he ask me to step away from something? And so I just remember clinging to that last song because we did four songs today instead of three. Yeah, did you guys notice that? Yeah, the worship team's amazing. Um, I have the privilege of being married to the worship pastor, so I said, hey, I need you to add another song. He's like, I hate you. I'm like, well, I love you. So I asked him to play that song because I just remember before I officially stepped away that during that season, the, the words, um, if the wind goes where you send it, so will I. And so I just remember being like, okay, God, you're asking me to do something that doesn't make any sense to me, but I just have to have faith that it's going to work out. And God's been faithful, and I have experienced more growth in my life in the last four years. And I wouldn't be the children's pastor I am today if I hadn't been home during that season of the preparation for it. So I'm so grateful. So we're going to talk about why kids matter. In Mark chapter 5, verse 23, or verse 22, then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background about Jairus. Jairus was an official in the synagogue, and so what that means is he was very well known, but that also meant that he was not a Jesus follower. In fact, he was considered, him and the group of people that he was with, they despised Jesus. And so whenever his daughter got sick, it's funny that the first thing he thinks of is Jesus. Because we know that kids are the key to reaching a family. Jairus had nothing to do with Jesus until he needed Jesus for his daughter. See, whenever in our children's ministry, we want to create a place, an atmosphere that your kids want to go to. We do that in simple ways. One of the things that I, that I do is I send these boxes out to our first-time visitors. Any kids that come, um, they get these boxes. And in these boxes, there's a, fun, a few things, you know, candy, because the moms love that. Um, <laughs> but there's also a handwritten note. And it's not just by me, but it's by my team. And what you may not know is that my team, they're over there and they're serving, but they love your kids just as much as I do. And so they write a note, hey, Sarah, it was so great having you this weekend. You were so good at doing cartwheels. I hope you come back and do more for us because it's bigger than just writing them a note. It's letting them know that we saw them, that we recognize them. So we wanna create an atmosphere here at Cedar Point that your kids want to attend. How many of you guys have heard of the fast food establishment McDonald's? Well, here in Oklahoma? No. Um, so McDonald's, it was established in 1955. Now the reality is, if we had all the money in the world, we would probably still go to McDonald's, not because their food is good, but because it's convenient, right? And McDonald's knew that, and so they created this convenience of come here, pay, uh, pay 15 cents for a burger, I'll give you a bag and see you later. But a dad approached one of the owners of McDonald's and he said, everything is great about this except we don't have a safe place for our kids to go. So that's when in 1971, they created the very first play place. So now McDonald's was a place that parents went to, but they didn't just go to it so they could eat. They went to it so they could eat in silence while their kids played on the playground. Then they realized that there are some parents that we're in a hurry, we got to go, we're trying to get from one town to the next. And so they realized, how do we keep parents, how do we have them continue coming to McDonald's? That the kids will make them want to come. And that's when in 1979, they established the Happy Meal. The Happy Meal comes the exact same way it does today, Ch uh, french fries, cheeseburger, drinks, and a toy. And so it's not the fact that McDonald's is great, but it created this thing that kids really wanted to go to. And because of that, Happy Meals, this is crazy, they account for more than 20% of McDonald's U.S. transactions, which is approximately $3.5 in annual revenue a year. A year. Studies show in 2016, McDonald's was selling 10 million Happy Meals in a day. Now, we can talk about how extremely unhealthy that is and the statistics. I'm telling you, when I was looking up stuff about McDonald's, it was like, basically, I can't believe we're feeding these kids this. However, whenever you're on the third night of giving your kids cereal, you have to go for something a little healthier, so you take them to McDonald's and give them a Happy Meal. <laughs> 
We create an environment here that kids want to go to. I'm on a children's ministry page, and I remember one um, post that I read. It had a children's pastor on a, in a different state, and I love looking at it. I love getting ideas. I'm passionate about children's ministry, but I had one, um, one person post on there. She said, do you guys allow toys in your children's ministry? I was like, okay, these comments, surely they're gold. And Everybody, no, only for the ones and two-year-olds. No, only for the three and five-year-olds. We don't want to distract from what's going on. And I literally wish I could have gone live and been like, you guys are missing the mark. Because kids, they, let's be honest, they don't just say, let's wake up and go to church so I can learn about Jesus. I mean, I hope that they get to that point. But they more than likely say, kids' life is so cool. Why? Because we have Nintendo Switches in there. Because we have a rock wall because we give out candy. You're welcome, moms. (laughs) We provide a place that your kids wanna go to because we know that if they go to kids' life, we have the opportunity to teach them about Jesus. Parents choose where they go to church, sometimes based on what their kids, what's important to their kids. Kids are a big deal to us. We're gonna keep going. In Mark, I'm sorry, so the first point is sometimes kids are the key to reaching a family. Kids are the key to reaching a family. And actually, I have an example for this. Aaron mentioned that 10 years ago, he started coming to Cedar Point. And I sat down with him and I'm like, can I share a little bit of your story? And it's a long story. Um, If you sit down with Aaron, sometimes you're like, really? You didn't tell me that last time I talked to you. It's just a never ending like thing. And it's so encouraging because he's just has gone through so much and he's just, he's amazing. Um, But I remember him sharing with me that he had had a pretty different rough childhood And his heart was, I want my kids to have better and do better than what I had done and how I was living. And so that's why he came to Cedar Point, because he knew and he heard about what was taking place in our children's ministry. That's what brought Aaron here. And that's the the right where Aaron's story starts, is with his children. I also have another couple of children that... um, a few months ago, they've been being brought here by friends, just them, single dad, and he has two kids, and friends have been picking up these two kids and bringing them to church. Well, there's been something that's taken place in these kids' lives, and there's been an excitement that's taken place in our children's ministry, that now the dad drops them off. Now, here's the deal. He doesn't stay, but he's one step closer to coming through those doors. And it's... (laughs) And there wasn't an adult that invited him. It's his kids waking him up and saying, hey, I need you to take me to church. Sometimes kids are the key to reaching a family. We're going to move on. In verse 24, it says, then Jesus, after um, my little daughter is dying, he said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Jesus stopped what he was doing because there was a need that had to be met for this little girl. She was dying. See, kids matter to Jesus, 
And because kids matter to Jesus, kids matter to us. And because kids matter to Jesus, we do things like this laced up event. And the thing that's different about this event is we ask ourselves, what kind of shoes would you give Jesus if he was at your door? And that's why we don't just give out regular shoes. We give out shoes that are going to last the whole school year. Because we know that kids matter to Jesus. And because kids matter to Jesus, they matter to us. What we look at later on in this story is right after, um, right after that, there was a woman that when Jesus was on his way to go and heal Jairus' daughter, there was a woman that reached, in, reached up and touched Jesus' robe. Now, a little backstory on this woman, I'm going to make this pretty fast, is that she had a bleeding problem for 12 years. They say it was hemorrhaging. And in the Bible, we know that people that had leprosy, they were considered unclean. So if you, they wouldn't be out in public. And if you were around them, it wasn't good. But it was the same for this woman and her bleeding. She was considered unclean. And if anybody knew that, it was going to be Jairus because of the position that he was in. Well, this woman was unclean, but she reached up and while Jesus was walking, touched her robe, touched his robe, and she became clean. And Jesus stopped what he was doing and he said, who touched my robe? And the disciples were like, there's hundreds of people here. Someone probably just ran into you. And he stopped, he looked around, he found the woman and she was healed. But then he stops and he starts talking to her a little bit. And while he's communicating to her, the messengers had arrived, this is in verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teachers now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. When I look at this story, Jairus had every right to not only be afraid, but to be angry. Because here's this woman who he knew was considered unclean. Why was she there anyways? And not only that, now she's causing a distraction from the thing that's most important to him. And yet Jesus' response isn't anything to Jairus except don't be afraid, just have faith. When Jesus said that, he wants us to remember that we need to speak faith over our kids' lives. The future of Jairus' daughter, Jairus, he thought it was over. I'm sure as many parents in here or people in here who know children, there might be people in your life, kids in your life, who... Maybe you think or have thought, what is going to happen to them? What does their future look like? Maybe you have a daughter that's dating someone that you are like, this is going to be a train wreck. I don't like the guy at all. <laughs> Maybe you have a son that you want him to be a fun teenager, but it worries you when he gets in a car with his friends. Maybe you know that the hardships that your child is going through based on circumstances from their past is genuinely affecting them. But we can hold on to the promise here, even though Jairus was told his daughter was dead. The Lord's response is, don't be afraid, just have faith. As parents, we can feel like we are in this alone. But Jesus gives us clarity that we don't have to do this alone. Maybe you're a single parent and that's your biggest concern. Is my kid gonna turn out okay? This is not the future that I had designed for them. 
we can go back to that promise. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Kids matter to Jesus. They matter to him. And because they matter to him, they matter to us. And bigger than that, we know, why do kids matter? Because God has a plan and purpose for their life. He speaks to them. I know this personally. I know this personally because I have this picture of me, little girl, oh, it's awkward. Um, I, yeah. So this is me at like seven, and I remember um, at that age knowing that I had, that at camp, the Lord spoke to me and told me, I have great plans for your life. I want you to do ministry. But I didn't really know what that looked like, especially at seven. And then I got a little bit older, I was around 10, and I remember um, being in like a small group on a Wednesday night, and a girl my age went and told her mom, she said, I think Ashley's gonna be a children's pastor at 10. And then the Lord just continued to show me small things, small things. You see, God speaks to our children. He tells them who they are. He reminds them who they are called to be. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I shaped you, this is the message version, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had great plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. See, we can be so concerned about our kids and, and, and kids, and we should be, but we also need to hold on to the fact that we shouldn't be afraid, we should have faith, and we should remember that God has designed them for a time, such a time as this. He speaks to them. Those kids in there, when I pray over them, I, when we pray together, I tell them, I say, God, visit them in their sleep. Remind them who you have called them to be. Give them a hope for their future. God, I pray that whatever they've gone through up to this point, or whatever they're going through right now, or whatever they will go through in the future, that you lead them and you guide them and you remind them in spite of everything that they'll go through, that you have a plan and purpose for their life. Why? Because they matter to Jesus. And because they matter to him, they matter to us. We're gonna keep going. So point number two is <laughs> kids matter to Jesus. Point number three, we'll close with this. Mark chapter five, verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Verse 37. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. Why? Because it matters who is in our children's circle. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. Why? Because it matters who is in our child's circle. We want people in the lives of these kids who are going to speak faith over them. Their future might look hopeless, 
but we know it isn't because God has called them and designed them for a time as this. I want us to have this understanding that kids have real problems. This little girl was not 30. And she had a real problem because she was dead. And Jesus came, he spoke life in her. And she, you know, we look here that, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand. He said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12, was 12, immediately stood up and walked around. We can't pretend like kids don't have problems. They do. She was 12. There was the last year of children's ministry before I took my four-year break. Um, I had two children in my ministry, um, and they were at church every Sunday. They helped. They were part of the worship experience. They went to church camp with me. They were great. And we went to church camp, and then a few months later, I was lying in bed, and at like 6.30 in the morning, I got a phone call, which it's never good. Listen, I'm just letting you guys know, when you're a pastor, your phone is never off. So if you get a phone call at 6.30, you're like, oh no, what's going on? So I got a phone call at 6.30 in the morning, and I was told that these children who we had been investing in their life the last couple of years, that their dad had taken his own life. They wanted me there to sit next to the kids as they broke the news to them that their life would never be the same. Right after the dad's funeral, the kids loaded up in their car and left. I haven't seen them since. Eight and 10 years old, these kids are told their dad is not coming home. Kids have real problems. And that's why They matter to us. That's why we do what we can to plant a seed in their life while they're here. I haven't seen them since, but I have to hold on to the confidence that they can remember when they were here, they were told that God has a plan and purpose for their life and that whatever they go through, that that plan does not change. I have to be reminded and hold on to the hope that even though this is the very thing that will affect them for the rest of their life, they can have confidence that God still loves them and still has great plans for their life. What we do here is a big deal. I have a picture of a little boy. I believe maybe about seven here, and he looks happy. He's having a birthday. (laughs) Um, But what you don't see is that this little boy was being abused at home. He hid that. He went through a lot of seasons of neglect, but he loved his family. That's hard because we don't know what these kids go through. And sometimes we hope that they'll have the confidence to share with us what they're going through, but we know that we may never know, so we're gonna love them as if they've never been told that they're loved. And so this little boy 
kept to himself the things that were happening in his life. However, he ended up becoming the man that he is today because of his Sunday school teacher. When I was sitting down talking to him, he said, she didn't even know. She didn't even know what I was going through, but she showed up for me. And because she showed up for him, this is what he looks like today. He's wearing a kid's life shirt, by the way, because he didn't let the circumstances of his childhood affect him in a negative way. He became a leader, and he's letting those kids know that they aren't alone, that they're loved. And who knows, whatever kid, who knows what kids he's going to impact. And in the future, they might, they might have the exact same childhood he had, and we don't know. But we do know what happens when the right person steps in and shows up for kids. We see it with Jeffrey. It matters who is there in those moments. Those are things that have an impact on these kids' future and their destiny. I have one more picture for you. This is my mom. Yeah, I didn't tell you I was posting a picture of you. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know if you'd let me. <laughs> it's better to ask for permission. No, I'm just kidding. I don't teach your kids that, I swear. I mean, ask for forgiveness. I bombed that. Okay. Um, this is my mom. And um, I think she was seven in this picture-ish. Six or seven-ish. And what you don't see here is that there was things taking place in her own life as a little girl. What I know about my mom is that she loves her mother and she loves her father. And if you were to ask her about her childhood, the last thing that she would do is throw them under the bus because that's just not who she is. But she had a hard childhood. Sometimes our parents, they love us, but they don't know how to show us that they love us the right way. Sometimes they're in a place where they do the best that they can, but there's just this mental illness, this captivity that keeps them from loving you the right way. Maybe you were that child. And you know that deep down your parents loved you, but they had a hard time showing it. And so my mom was, um, she had an alcoholic stepfather who abused her and her brother's and even her mom on occasion. There was one night where um, her mom was being beaten so bad by her stepdad that she had to crawl through a window to go get help at seven years old. Seven. She had to crawl through a window to get help for her mother. Nobody knew. See, we can't pretend like kids don't have problems. And at seven, you know, I asked my mom, I said, how, not at seven, but I asked my mom, I said, how did you become who you are? You had every right to, I mean, the statistics of you not being crazy, like, you should be. <laughs> More than you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
But I remember as a little girl her telling me this story and it impacted me as a child. She said there was a woman down the street who took me to church. She showed up for me. I don't know if that woman knew my mom's story and I don't know if she'll ever know the impact it had on my mother's destiny. But I do know that that woman played a small, a big role in who my mom is. It gave her the confidence about 12 years later to pack up everything she had in her car and go from California to Tulsa, Oklahoma on her own and go to Rama Bible College where she met my dad. One woman showed up for my mom at seven and that changed the destiny of her life. It changed her future. And because of that, I get the privilege of showing this. I didn't do this. This took place because of the woman that showed up for my mother. I have one more thing I want you guys to do, and we're going to close with this. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Aaron up here because he's going to do our transition out. One reason is because I don't like the kids leaving without me saying bye to them. So I got to go in there and give them the hugs that I like giving them. But when you came in today, you should have a piece of paper on your seat, a white piece of paper. I want everybody to take a second, close your eyes if you need to. And I want you to think of the person who showed up for you. See, I could say that it was my mother that showed up for me, and she did. But if I was to get really in tune, it would be the woman that showed up for my mother. Mr. Rogers in his movie said, think of the people who loved you into being. Think of the people that shaped you into who you are that might have shaped your parents into who they are. Think of the people who changed the course of what your future should have looked like. I want you to write down that name when you think of it. And then when you leave here today or before you leave here today, I want you to think of a person that you can show up for. Maybe you already have the name in the back of your head but someone has to show up because we can't pretend like kids don't have real problems. And we have to remember that kids matter to God so they matter to us. And we have to remember that we can play a role in reminding these children about the future purpose and plan that God has on their life. I'm gonna give you guys a second to write this name down.